welcome newcomers. The tradition of Festivus begins with the airing of grievances. I got a lot of problems with you people. Now, you're gonna hear about it. I had to get it started from the beginning, the eye roll to end the year. Welcome to Brews News Week, recorded live from Easy Times Brewing in Woolloongabba in Brisbane on Thursday, the 22nd of December, 2022. This is our 400th uh, episode asterisk. Um, and we are trying something a little bit different. We are seeing how live goes. So hopefully you can hear us out there and the audio is at a reasonable volume, not having done this before and doing it ourselves. But that's what we do here. I am Matt Kirkegaard. Hi, everyone. Everyone who uh, doesn't know what I look like. Founder and editor of Bruce News. And I'm joined by General Manager Sabrina Kunz. For those of you who may not actually have seen, because you probably haven't been around as much this year as... Uh, for, for a lot of our audience, um, so they, they get to see you. Hi. Um, and brewer and industry consultant Ian Watson. And Hello. shortly joined by in the vacant and chair our uh, journalist, Vivian Topalovich, who is just making sure that the audio is okay uh, as she listens in. Um, yeah, welcome. It, it, it's actually, this is actually really nice. I'm sitting here with a beer. Um, it's, we're not recording it as early as we normally do, and it's uh, the end of a... Of, of, another year. So how are you guys going? Well, I think it's um, particularly fitting. I was reviewing all of the news this year and it's particularly fitting that we're recording here at Easy Times Brewing, who started the year doing some support for flood relief for the breweries in Brisbane and they went through their own sort of trials and tribulations that are probably um, similar to what some breweries have been through this year. Um, and now they're sort of on the other side getting ready for cricket season across the road. So it's kind of nice to be recording here from Easy Times in Brisbane. And I will share a photo with the group uh digital decals, which is one of the things we act, we've actually talked about this yeah. year. Um, or we, we wrote an article about digital decals and uh, I'll, I'll share a photo to the group because uh, Russell um, Steele uh, from Easy Times has actually got a... We, we've got a beer on today to commemorate the 400 not out. Um, asterisks, just like uh, <laughs> all good uh, 400 uh, not out. Uh, so uh, we, we do have that. So I'll, I'll share a photo so everyone can see. Um, everything... Welcome, Vivian Topalovich. Uh, first Hello. time, long time listener, first time <laughs> caller. Well, technically it's the second time I've been on, but I guess this is my first official introduction onto the weekly podcast. So, yes, very excited to be here. And congratulations <laughs> on joining the team full time. Was it this calendar year? I know. Yes. Yes. Yes, it was. And thank you. Yeah, very excited to be full time with Bruise News. Um, I love working here. Did don't have to say that. Um, <laughs> one of the we speak our mind here at Bruce News. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's one of our uh, one of our things. And welcome to everybody that's listening. Uh, if anyone is listening, haven't was anyone listening? And the people yes, are listening. Yes, we've They're, got some comments already. Hello, world, <laughs> coming at you. So we've got some comments already. Nice. I'll have to uh, find some time to check it out. But let's get in with the news of the week. Um, oh, now I'll, I'll be on. Okay. The, the news is out there, and I'm not sure how much I want to discuss it, um, for, but I'll, I'll get to that. Angry shareholders demand answers from Endeavour, and that's Endeavour Beverages or Endeavour Brewery, not Endeavour Drinks Group. I got a panicked text message from Endeavour Drinks Group yesterday saying that they were very concerned when they first saw that headline yesterday, hence the confusion. Uh, but shareholders Endeavour Beverages are calling for the embattled business to update them on its financial position and strategy with one calling for shareholders to band together in joint legal action. 
The company, they said, the company has not met its uh, obligation to provide shareholders with annual reports or hold an annual general meeting in the 2021 or 22 financial years. In its last communication with shareholders in August, the board advised uh, the shareholders that the company was working now to deliver both um, of those reports, uh, which are now being uh, prepared by their accountants. Uh, Bruce News has been contacted by various shareholders and including founders um, and including Eduardo Rodriguez, who invested $2,000 in the company's 28 equity crowdfunding. He said that he had not been able to get information from the company uh, about his investment. Um, and he said that he contacted Equitize. And when Equitize was, a coached, uh, was approached for uh, um, comment, um, co-founder and director Johnny Wilkinson said the company can't force a company to act. Bruce News has approached uh, Endeavour Director um, Ken Bromley, and I'll say I've done that a number of times for comment, uh, and did not receive a response. Um, as I said at the beginning, you know, I don't know. I, 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 I'm the cranky old man about uh, equity crowdfunding, you know, and we've talked about it a lot. It's become a bingo term. But at the same time, this particular one is encapsulates everything that I think is wrong with equity crowdfunding. It was a brewery that, you know, really nice people running it um, when they got on. Um, I'm sure they're, 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 they're nice people. But it was a, essentially a contract brand with a small, you know, with a 50% holding in a small tap room that they didn't own. They've now fallen out with the joint venturers for the tap room. A big selling point for their equity crowdfunding was that they had uh, ranging in 1,100 BWSs and Dan Murphys around the country. So they were effectively a contract brewer that had one customer. That's not a business. Um, you know, it's, de it's a de-risk for Endeavour because Endeavour can just derange it at any time without having built up any it equity in the brand. Endeavour... It's sorry, it's Endeavour, the bottle shop, and, not hence, Endeavour, the brewery. Hence the problem. And, yeah. you know, Endeavour was called in Endeavour Brewing, and we'll call it Endeavour Brewing, was Endeavour before Endeavour Drinks Group. But then their biggest customer changed its name to Clash With Theirs. Um, you know, and the, the, the year that they um, crowdfunded, I think they had a $290,000 loss. The year after, they had a half a million dollar loss. They blamed the change of um, focus. But even then, the equity crowdfunding was open for, I think, 59 days or 60 days. They wanted to raise close to $2 million. They only raised half a million dollars despite that. Clearly, there was an engagement, you know, wide engagement in the brand. You know, they, they certainly didn't get anywhere near they wanted. So they didn't have... Um, and we are at easy times and we've just had a... Uh, a beer the, delivery. The, the beer fairy turn up. Um, with, with a wide you range, you can put of, those right here. It's nice to be uh, recording at beer o'clock. So, Thanks, thank you Russell. very much, Russell Steele. Um, so yeah, like you know, it just goes on and on and on and on and on. And then they had a falling out, so they they got a five million dollar payout for a portion of that um, their uh, intellectual property that when. The directors and there was a argy bargy. One set of directors kicked the other directors out. The other directors banded together and kicked them out. Um, and everything about it is, you know, disastrous. And you've got a group of shareholders who are saying, look, you know, basically we don't have a, a business anymore after this happened. We've got money in the bank. Why don't we just cut our losses and give it out? And there is disagreement. And you know, on one hand, they pitched. The equity crowdfunding is you can join the three mates and the 35 friends and families that were our initial fan. You can join, be part of the family. 
<laughs> we, we can find out just how much part of the family is um, now that people are asking questions. Can I make a family reference? Yeah. Um, you know how people tell you that yeah, yeah um, that a child won't save a marriage, like don't have a baby to save your marriage. Um, equity crowdfunding won't save your crumbling business. Um, I think is sort of the way that I look at this, which is that this isn't. Whilst this is a story that uh, talks a lot about the equity crowdfund, it's clear that there was a dysfunctional business slash lack of business sitting underneath to support it, and the equity crowdfund was sort of a la- was a di- was a is a symptom of a bigger problem rather than sort of the big problem. And you know, it's come to light because they've failed basic reporting standards and things. But to me, it's sort of. Um, you know, if you're equity crowd trying to equity crowdfund your way out of a poor business model or to solve other relationships or to do X, Y, and Z, you might actually be making a rod for your own back in terms of its complexity and it's it's actually not gonna get your way out of that. So that's that's what I feel about that. Ian? I think that's pretty well said. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, 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 re- it really is that case. And it, and it should be up to us as the consumer, you know, if, if we're putting money into an equity crowdfunding campaign, we're ultimately responsible for where we put our money and what yeah. we look at and what we see it's going to be done with and then for making sure that we're comfortable with that that is what it's going to be used for, mm. that there is a plan that is going to be able to grow or uh, shore up that business in a positive way and not just limit that business along to the next uh, uh, to the next point of disaster or the next point of um, conflict or, or, or yeah. difficulty that it's going to come across. So we have to be confident that it can get there. And that is if we are viewing it as an investment and not just throwing our money into the wind. If yep. we're viewing it as throwing our money into the wind, do what the hell you want. But <laughs> if you are really looking at it that way, and it's the same as it should be approached as when a business is looking at how they're going to spend their money, is that money going to be spent for something that is actually going to get them a return or shore them up or is, are they just surviving themselves through to the next crisis, yeah. to the next crisis point there. Um, probably one of the difficulties is the whole way that the whole equity crowdfunding system works in that there is a very, very short period to make your decision and to, to decide yeah. whether you think that you can, that that business can do that. And I, you should be looking at it, and once again, this is not a um, financial advice because I'm the last person you want to speak to about that. That is not what I do. I make beer. Um, but you have got to, you know, really look and think, is that business one that actually do they have something about them? Do they have that factor that that can survive through, or is this just another brand? Somebody made that comment in um, the Facebook group earlier this year when the Your Mates one came out, and it was like, I don't think I'd finished reading the the product disclosure statement by the time the equity crowdfund had closed. So it was that sort of piece that said, if it's genuinely an investment, mm. then you you can't even read. You can't even look at the documents clearly enough. And all the documents say at the bottom, you don't get legal advice and so on and so forth. But if the documents are only available, um, and, and maybe they're not for serious the investors. The flip side is that they do say you've got a three-day cooling off period. That's which right. is, Again, so, so there are, well, to some extent there are checks and balances. Yeah. But at the same time, when, when you see something, and again, not a comment on your mates. No, because I think they've had a fabulous year. They've had a fabulous year. Yeah. Um, and I want to stress that because I know Christian is a is a listener. <laughs> I don't want him to. Uh, um, but when you see something go that quickly, because you've built up fear of um, missing out, then you, you essentially have that confirmed because everyone else is um, jumping on as well. But that's like any Ponzi scheme, you know. And 
that's what that that is the inherent problem with equity crowdfunding, and it's not saying that there's a problem in in their case, but the in endeavour there's clearly a problem. If you're because registered as an invest, if you're registered as an interested buyer before it opens, can you access all of the investment documents to do not the, until due it due not until the actual thing opens? Yeah, okay. so that gives you this. So often there'll be a pre. Yeah. Um. So so they build the hype. Yeah. You in 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 list. You give them the information, roughly idea of how much you want to spend. That's how they build their book. Then they open. The people that have registered get first dibs. Mm. So you know it, it, it's constantly, you know, building the information, building your contact details. You get it. So you but jump one on. Many improvement would be just make the finance, make the investment disclosure documents available. You know, with twenty four hours prior to bid opening, I mean that's just an investment. A re- yeah, like as a structural. These, and these things are being built as an investment. Yeah, yeah. Well, look, I'm talking structurally, right? The the platforms, and I think this is sort of where Ian was at before that the platforms run a lot of this. There are some actual structural changes that could be made that would assist in, um, you know, addressing some of the issues uh, if we use Endeavor Beverages, Endeavor Brewing, as a cautionary tale. Right. If we look at that as a cautionary tale, and what can we learn from that? You know, there are some practical steps that could be put in place that would help everyone. Right. Mm. So, anyway. so, but again, look, these things are never a problem until there's a problem, and that's what we're finding with Endeavour. You've yeah. got, you know, um, you, you do have some of the founders who have fallen out, but then they've got their investments. Um, there's nothing that they can do. You know, they, they don't know what the financials are. There was this big payment that went in at the same time that they effectively lost their brand and their business. And you've got a group of people going, let's just cut our losses. We've got X million dollars. You know, one, well, at one stage it was 1.9 or 2 million. Who knows how much is there now? And that is their criticism. Just divvy it, give it back. You know, we had a good run. Um, and we'll that's, but, but I think, you know, regardless of whether there had been crowdfunding or not, part of the cautionary tale here is what, plans do you have in place with your business partners when you set up a brewery if someone wants to exit if someone wants to get out if somebody wants their money back so you know uh, whether you choose to crowdfund or not um, what are you doing around the actual structure of your business to enable partnerships to change and I think even um, the recent podcast and we're going to get to batch in a second but you know they talked about like one of their cautions was uh you're going to work 16-hour days, don't have children and wives. But it sort of – it really made the point that said when you're getting into the business, your life doesn't look like how it's going to look like throughout the lifetime of that business. So what structures are you putting in place to enable individuals, people's lives to change and maybe not want to be as invested or more invested in the business at any point in time? Yeah, and again, you know, like it's, it's one of those things that these are problems that could befall any business. Yeah, that's right. Um, that, I, I personally, and this is where, you know, my view, um, no one's looking into equity crowdfunding. Everyone's just championing them. Everyone's publishing them. Everyone's celebrating them. But then when you're getting emails from the people that can't get answers and then you, you're going, well, we've reached out to the funding platform and they go, nothing we can do. And, you know, ASIC clearly isn't going to get involved because it's so small. Who else is going to raise yeah. these concerns? And and that's you know a, a, something that sits very uncomfortably with me because that's one of the things that we find ourselves doing is being the people that do it. Um, but the pos- I, I think the positive flip on it is how can we use this as a story to help the other 
650 plus businesses in the country to not before not go down the same path right and so that's the point how can we take lessons and perhaps encourage changes to the framework for equity crowdfunding i think that's the positive side of it well and this thing if people do the right thing the framework is there and that's where the cooling off period Mm. and you know all of these things but everything is geared towards this being um, you know, the, the platforms are marketers. They're selling something so they get their, you know, and <laughs> the thing that came out about this for me was Equitize has Endeavour on as a successful crowdfunding on their, you know, as a case study for successful crowdfunding. You're going, on what measure was it a successful crowdfunding? They're saying that they overfunded by 190% because they set such an artificial minimum to build hype that you know they, they, they broke through that and then basically plateaued so given that they didn't get enough money through given that the business didn't get enough money from the crowdfunding to actually do any of the things that they needed to do to have a business it wasn't successful for the business they just got a bit of money in it wasn't successful for equitize because they got nowhere near the target that they wanted for that the business has not made a dollar since it crowdfunded and now it's all falling apart. And you sort of go, well, yes, you had a crowdfunding and you made more than the minimum. How can that be a successful for you that you want to hold up, let alone how can this be successful for anyone? But it's just on because basically it's marketing, you know? Yeah. So anyway, I, enough said. Um, and I, I'm, I'm glad. Hi, Christian McGarry, who I just saw was uh, actually listening live. So um, we are going to have the potential to have some calls uh, later. So... Kristen, you may want to uh, join us and have a bit of a chat um, and give us your thoughts and tell me because I know that you don't agree with me and uh, so we'd love to hear Can I say something to Kristen? Hey, Kristen, love the latest video about Larry and Tilly, just FYI. Shout out. And a huge, huge fan of the brand, you know, (laughs) and those guys, um, what they do. Um, Actually, we might, while we're talking about that, I'm going to skip ahead. because there was a story um, from your mates this week, your mates to open your mates to open a bowls club. Your mates brewing company has announced it will open a bowls club in Karoi on the Sunshine Coast. The venue's model will be similar to its current brew pub, focusing on providing hospitality and events offering for the community. Operating a bowls club will have its challenges as the sport is in a general state of decline. However, the company acknowledges this. Um, bowls club Australia's snap. Snapshot stats of 2021 indicated total participation numbers of 630,736, a 7.1% decline since 2019. Um, but there is nothing that I don't love about this story. I love it. Um, and who knows if it wins, you know, they're, 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 whether it's a success or a failure. They're trying something. Mm. We have seen bowls clubs rebrand. And yep. in saying that bowls clubs are in decline, it's because... Bowls was one of those sports for retired people when people retired at 55 and they had a long time, they had time on their hands. It's a, it's a long game. It's got a reputation of being a little bit fusty and a little bit old um, <laughs> and having been a member of a bowls club. Like a <laughs> Which <laughs> I, love, I just I love. is so accurate. In my 30s, I might add. Yeah, in my early 30s, I was a member of... Well, it was the only so much place that I could get a, a beer because there were no pubs in my area. Right. And next thing... And it was, it, it, it's, it's actually a fun game. But I've never been to more funerals than the 18 months I was a member of the Bowls Club because... Yeah. Elderly clientele. <laughs> dying off. Um, and a little bit like beer, um, when we were talking about with the Abbey Chatfield thing, 
if bowls is going to reinvigorate itself, you know, craft beer is a way to do that. And having a brewery that's there and get people in, you know, modernise the game, don't have to wait till Madam President takes her hat off before all the ladies can take their hat off, yep. whereas the blokes don't have that. All of that sort of stuff. And But again, it's a it's a brewery seeing the problem that is, is out there and having a go. And I think it is awesome. And also, you know, Karoi is not a massive town. Um, it has got one little small brewery restaurant, but it's, um, you know, not far from another great distillery in Pomona. And so, you know, it's part of that sort of circuit that's, you know, getting a lot of promotion as part of the um, Sunshine Coast craft beer capital. So, you know, it, it's also potentially, you know, employment, tourism and stuff to a small sem- semi-regional town, um, which is also to love. Um, and so, you know, all good, all good stories. I, I really don't know too much about Karoi itself and the market in and around there, but I really like that the concept and, yes, uh, Look, really, everyone loves to play a game of bowls. Barefoot bowls is good fun. Yeah, Have it's a great fun. It, 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 it's a great fun. It's relaxing. Um, it's an activity. Uh, it can be a social hub in and around there, and it helps uh, potentially revitalise these, these yeah. places. There are others that have... Um, other things around that that have happened in the past. So here in Brisbane, Wellers Hill Bowls Club um, has done... Uh, ha- ha- has put a range of craft beers on tap. Mm-hmm. I think Benio Bowls Club is doing similar. Uh, a brewery I used to work for about uh, a decade ago, uh, we looked at doing one in Sydney uh, mm-hmm. a long time ago and looked in and around uh, around that. And I know there have been others look at doing um, things and putting breweries into Bowls Club in more recent years. Uh, I don't know too much about the structure of how they're, they're going on, on with this there too. A lot of the Bowls Clubs here in Queensland are actually owned by yeah. the state government um, and some of it can be that the, the club is owned by the council, like the physical building, but then the land is state government land. Um, and with those things and being as they're community sporting groups things, you can't have commercial activities mm. upon them yep. there, which um, brings detail... Uh, Difficulty, sorry, I should say, into it around how you get around that. But things were done a few years back to help the um, community clubs do some things that yep. may revitalise them, which is which is really good. Uh, the other thing then is too that can be potential difficulties for things like this is, and once again, not really knowing the structure of how your mates are doing this, but if it is still actively an active bowls club in one of those scenarios there, you're then dealing with a community group, yeah, the, which yeah. is dealing with a committee. Yeah. And uh, having been involved in community radio for a, for a long time, I can tell you that working yeah. with commi- committees of different ideas from different people through the community can be really difficult sometimes to actually make things happen and to do things in the in the right way. And things can change around from from year to year as committees change. And it was so completely agree. Having done a whole bunch of community organisations and sports boards, it can be absolutely a nightmare so let's not wish that on your mates um but the other two things you know so there's obviously bolo beer that came out that is really targeting mm-hmm. bowls and then um there was the drink wise campaign that was active that we wrote mm-hmm. about this year that was actively targeting bowls players in terms of that um male over 55 demographic that had been highlighted as you know problem drinking so if you're revitalizing this into a um social you know, bring young people in 20, you know, a lot of venues are looking for Monday to Friday, 24 hours a day, you know, how can they turn revenue? Great. All good. I'm just going to go to the uh, discussion or the live uh, stream. 
We are publishing, we're going to publish this so people will be hearing without the live. Um, Zoe Ottaway, uh, marketer extraordinaire and uh, yep. a regular, once once upon a time, regular guest on the podcast and we would love to get her back. Um, the Bowls Clubs around Inner Melbourne are all packed at this time of year with Christmas parties yep. and every weekend uh, average demo less than 50 years and they all offer craft beers. Good move, I think. Um, <laughs> Vivian, as our unofficial youth correspondent... <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever been lawn bowling? I've never been, no. Oh, you haven't been? No. Um, Road trip. (laughs) Road trip. No, so, yeah, that's why I thought it was interesting researching this story. Um, Even when I was looking... Clearly you didn't research it well enough if you haven't played. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, when I was looking at the Bowls Australia stats, I thought it was really interesting. Obviously, that um, participation stat is from 2021, but I was reading some of their annual reports and in their latest one, they did say that the average player is usually actually in that 75-plus range yeah. and usually male. So I thought that was really interesting as well. Mm. Oh, it's, it, and, it, and that's the thing. It shows all of the problems. But the sport itself is actually very inclusive in that anyone can play it. Like you don't need a huge range of fitness. Um, you know, it's geared for people that don't have a lot of mobility. Mm. Um, you know, there is nothing inherently blokey about the sport because it's not a phys- like it's not a banging of heads and things like that. It's it's a sport that anyone can play, but it's one of those things that has become seen as something because of the customers and the, the, the evolution of the, of but, the sport. But that time question is really interesting and we're going on a complete tangent which is sport not beer but I remember um, you know sitting on community rugby league boards and we were always talking about how games on the weekends were too long. Mm. How So you know cricket reinvented itself to have a T20 to make it sort of a size that was long enough that people would still engage with the sport and you know rugby league we were constantly looking at like pickup games of nines like what could we do to keep people engaged in the sport of rugby league who couldn't dedicate twice a week training and to play on the weekends and so bowls is a little bit like that right you know they're going to be looking at alternate forms social forms of the sport to keep people engaged in the sport who then might go I actually love it and I will dedicate my three hour whatever I need to do to, to have a long form game yeah that's exactly what something like this can do and I know that there is a form of it as well um, that involves smaller and lighter uh, bowls for kids yeah um, so things like that like this where families could go to it young families mm. could go to it Mum and dad could have a game of barefoot bowls, or the whole family could have lunch, and then the kids can um, uh, uh, the kids can play a game yeah. there too. There's bowls clubs. Uh, there's one on Mount Tambourine uh, when I lived up there that I used to go to, and they had one of their greens that they took away from being a competition green, um, and it was still like a lovely piece of grass, mm. but not competition standard. And that was an area where kids could play and have activities yeah. and so forth on there too. And that's that's great where there's open space where parents mm. could have their socialisation time and kids could have theirs and there was some aspect of maybe moving people towards introducing them to the game of bowls. But for your mates, um, um, Matt laughed because I did a bit of a um, mind map of all of the things this year and on my list of things was like, your mates had a good year, you know, a couple of expansions, um, they did well, the hottest 100 at the start of the year, obviously we've got the hottest 100 coming up. Uh, they did well on their crowdfund. They've announced a couple of things. So, you know, your mates have had a good year. Just before we move on to the next story, and we are going to come back to your mind map, I'm just going to – is there something hazy there, just so everyone can see that? Um, oh, are you just trying to prove <laughs> so, that something, you drink Something it not too heavy, um, fairly moderate, or even the uh, voluntary collaboration. Schooner hazy pale 3.5. Doesn't that meet perfect, all your actually, needs? Perfect, actually, perfect. 
Perfect. Just so I can, uh, I'll pull that in just a second. Um, next story: Mighty Craft reports strong start to uh, second quarter, and Mark Hazeman on the Mighty Craft podcast. Mighty Craft has issued its latest trading update, advising it has seen growth across channels for October and November 2022. The company announced it made 20 million dollars in total group sales, representing 138% growth on the same period. It also reported a strong performance with its wholesale channel, with beer and cider sales growing 262% from the prior corresponding period. Um, better be assets, better beer, and mismatch had a one thousand seven hundred thirty-four percent and thirty-eight percent growth in uh, leader sales. Of course, well, they both came off very small bases over the twelve months, but a thirty-eight percent um, growth—nothing no, to be sneezed at. But yeah, like one thousand seventeen hundred percent is pretty impressive, particularly when you look at the scale. Um, elsewhere in the update, Mightycraft reported that progress has been made in on various planned divestments, noting that. Two are expected to close prior to Q3 in this financial year, while it did not officially announce which businesses it would be disposing of. Its recent annual uh, report noted its uh, 100% owned Jetty Road and Mismatch Breweries were focus brands. Um, the report also noted that Foghorn Brewery, uh, which uh, were assets held for sale, uh, as one of our eagle-eyed um, listeners, uh, readers noted um, with... Hold Us 100 campaigning very much underway. It was interesting to see which brands were included in their vote for us. You know, it's sort of like, man, yeah, and something else. Um, so, uh, yeah, we'll wait and see. We, we won't ask you, Ian, uh, given that you have uh, worked or you currently work with... Um, yeah, I've worked for two um, Mitercraft companies, so... Yeah, yes. so uh, we, we, we won't do that. But interesting. But I will say, I say, go listen to the podcast that went up this week, the Beer of Conversation with... If you've got any questions about those results, I put them all to Mark Hazeman. Um, we have a, it was probably less, less test exchange this year than last year, but it was still a fairly um, you know, robust conversation. And one of the things I found very interesting um, out of that conversation was I was talking about, you know, clearly better beer is um, you know, one of these uh, on a, an escape velocity. It, it, it's growing, it's doing very, very well. It is achieving scale or orbit. Um, the craft brands just haven't. And on, on one hand, Mark wanted to sort of say, look, it's COVID, it's this, it's that. Um, but when pushed about the others and their whole business was built on taking these craft brands to scale, what does that mean? And, you know, given that they're divesting them, does that mean, you know, not judgmentally, but was was it a failure of the strategy? Were they wrong about mm-hmm. how what what they could take, what the brands were, you know, that craft could scale? And the most interesting thing that came out of um, that exchange was he said the major retailers are no longer looking for national brands. Yeah, they want small local brands. And to me, um, you know, again to everyone that's listening to our industry podcast that should be setting major alarm bells because any business that is equity crowdfunding or setting up or going, the biggest platform to take a beer national in the country, according to Mighty Craft, and I think they know with their relationships with them, they no longer want that. They they want small local ones that they can put in their stores to pepper through their local stores and they want their brands to be the biggest ones. Yeah, I mean, I know we're not at it yet, but one of my sort of themes for this year 
was that sort of growing, I don't want to say power of retail because the duopoly has always had power, but this sort of, um, you know, across the trademarks, we've seen a significant number of trademarks being um, filed for drink you know, own brand, for want of a better word, across the retailers. So in part, the reason they don't want national ranging is because they've got their own nationals to range um, that gives them better margin and they will have then their local offering. Um, I think what it means is that if you were at that, I I don't know what mid-size constitutes, but like a million plus litres, million to two million litres or wanting to do more than those numbers – off the back of uh, strong retailing in either of the major retailers, that seems less and less likely. So once you hit that point of needing to grow because you've committed so much to your stainless, you you know, that you need to grow, that's actually where the market is going to be challenged. For the small little brewers who want to get a tiny bit of beer into one of their local BWSs, um, that actually sounds like there might be some opportunity for that. So I, I think, you know, it does sort of say that if you haven't grown to a certain size sort of by this year, then there's going to need to be some innovative thinking in the way that you go about growth going forward and relying on the traditional sort of maybe I'll, I'll make it in dance is probably unlikely to be that the, the – the, the methodology for your growth. But even if you do, like, and going back to Endeavour Brewery, not Endeavour yep. Retail, even if you do make it in them, if, you know, if you're ranged nationally in 1,100 stores and that is the most of your volume, you actually don't have a business. And it's the same thing that we talked about when if your business is based purely on Facebook, and ironically we're publishing through there, if they <laughs> decide to kick you off, you don't have a business. Yeah. You have to build your own audience. Yeah. Um, and sorry, in your yeah, look, it's just a basic business uh, principle thing. The more clients you have, the harder it is to maintain. You've got more bills to chase yeah. up. Yeah. Uh, you've got more relationships to maintain. If you are going with one client, uh, one customer that takes the majority of them, yes, all your invoicing's easier. All that things chasing up easier there, but. It's just a wipe of a pen and it's all gone. Yeah. Um, the putting all your eggs in one basket is very risky. doesn't matter whether it's beer or making shoes or whatever. Putting all your eggs in one basket is a risky way to go and I certainly wouldn't want to build my brand, uh, build my company based just on that. I would be hesitant for national ranging in either one of the, the, yeah. the arms when it was only through one of them. If I could build it up through... Uh, through EDG, through Coles, yeah, and if you, through there's independent no chains. Yeah, yeah, great. So yeah. that then, um, you know, if you lose one of them, which there is range reviews, multiple range reviews for years, all the time, and they can look at it, and you could be wiped because you're not performing because you haven't serviced it well enough because mm. there's not pulled through, people aren't wanting it, or because they've identified something that they can capitalize on from mm. your product and they can do it better without you. Um, yeah, it's just too easy for too much of it to just all be gone. Yeah, which is why, I mean, Better Beer has been pretty stellar, like on my list of other companies that seems to have had a good year, Better Beer on the list. Um, But they, you know, they're exclusive, aren't they, to Mm -hmm. Dan Murphy? Exclusive in retail. Exclusive Um, in retail. I think, uh, and and I'll need to check with Nick, I think they might be available through some of the independents. Independents. But it's just, you know, not. so. But when you've got two major retailers. Yeah. But at the same time, and again, like not knowing for a fact, but if 
you are that big and that important to one of the major retailers that the other retailer is just throwing spaghetti at a wall to see what sticks yeah. to try and come up with. You're kind of going, well, you've got a little bit of a negotiating position. You've got a little for the time being. Yeah. But again, they aren't getting the beer out on tap. Um, and you know, which is where the more noise they make, noise that they make about how big they are, you'll hopefully get retailers, you know, for that one or two independent taps, um, independent. You know, let's not get yeah. Um, for one of the two non-big two taps, it provides a fairly compelling offering for publicans to put on because publicans put on what sells. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you know, that seems to be going pretty well. Um, it seems to be going pretty well for Mighty Craft. Um. Sorry, and did you just say the update on Q divestment will be Q, the end of Q3. Q3, which is 30th of December? 30th of December. No, and by the end of Q3, which is the January to March quarter. Financial Got year it. quarter. Yep. Got it. Yep. So, so, you know. Watch this space. Yeah. Yeah. Um, We'll, we'll wait and see. Um, but, you know, Foghorn is obviously one, and that's the, the one that they've got the 51% share in. Um, had a great chat with Sean Sherlock, who, you know, very positive about his experience with Monty Craft. Yeah. It's just the, the the way that the ATO has ruled their um, excise. excise and the ownership that they don't get that, and that's a huge thing um, for, for, for a business as well. Um, that's a massive thing for a business. Yeah, oh yeah, absolutely yeah. massive. Even a business um, that is part of the Mighty Craft thing, uh, the, the accelerator. Uh, absolutely, and and um, the impact there is not just on Mighty Craft, but it's on the um, the partners that they have there. You know, whether it's um, Sean and Karen at, at Foghorn or Dylan and Melissa at, at, at Slipstream, etc. That uh, difference that that can make there, mm-hmm. if if it kicks over there, is is, is huge. Bucket Boys to rebrand as Local Drinks Collective. Bucket Boys, uh, a local retailer in Sydney CBD, is being rebranded as Local Drinks Collective following the, its acquisition by Batch Brewing earlier this year. The business also announced the refurbishment of its Marrickville Bar, which will now operate as a Wayward Brewing Company speakeasy bar. Earlier this year, Batch Brewing Company announced its acquisition of Bucket Boys following the challenges that the retailer faced during COVID. And in October, Wayward Brewing Company and Batch announced the partnership of the Local Drinks Collective, a new entity owned and operated by member breweries. At the time, Batch described the new business model as designed for breweries to work together in in a cooperative structure. In a recent episode of Beer of the Conversation podcast, and that was last week, founders Andrew Finneran and Chris Sidwa elaborated on what the entity aims to achieve with its model including tackling staff shortages and retention. And uh, now, look, I put my question... I, I actually went pretty gently with them because I've got my doubts about the Local Drinks Collective and I worry that, particularly when you look at how closely they're working together, um, the ATO is going to be watching very, very closely just how mm. they, 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 they run this. But they, they've, um, you know, go listen to the podcast. We do talk about it um, and we will go back and revisit that. But, uh, yeah, I, interesting to see. I thought they were very – I thought the Bucket Boys guys were very clear-eyed about what the Local Drinks Collective could do. And, you know, we just finished a conversation that said if you want to grow – um, you're going to have to be creative outside of, you know, using Dan Murphy's national ranging um, and use innovation and come up with new ideas. Um, and I think this sounds like at least folks are really giving it a red hot go. 
Yeah, so I, I, I love it. I agree. They're, give, they're giving you go to something. Uh, I see some potential challenges in it. Yep. But I don't know the insight as to how they put that together. Um, so let's let's watch this space yep. and and um, and see what happens with that. And good yep. luck to them. And yep. Look, they're doing something. They're, they're coming at a problem a different way. And yeah, and yep. as, like with the bowls club, it doesn't matter if it fails. They're trying something. You know, they're, they're actually trying. They've thought. They've tried something. Yep. And it's going to be interesting. And I will say that uh, Kristen uh, did message me just to say that they've got it on in the background. They've got a staff meeting, and uh, so they can see us, but they're probably not hearing uh, too much of us. So we might speak to him a little bit later. Um, we are keeping an eye on the. Um, comments in the background so if you are watching live you can post some comments we will provide a little bit of time for a phone in um, if anyone wants to phone in and uh, so I'm not sure about this I have to swipe left on the comments and you know I, I feel like Vivian's I'm Vivian's got the comments I oh you've got up. the comments yep. okay Vivian's she's under I'm she's got it, it all. yeah <laughs> cool now, okay, um, this is our Christmas episode um, it's, it's the end of the year episode 400 now are you thinking about how you'd wrap a Christmas gift? <laughs> it's just like no, a wonder. No, well, no, 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 well, no, no. This has got nothing to do with packaging. His voice changed, didn't it? Oh, no. Did it you did, hear it? it? See, you know what's coming because his voice changes. No, it's so funny. This is not a packaging ad. This has got nothing to do with packaging. It's itself. got to do with no. But if 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 you wanted to wish your customers a merry Christmas. Mm-hmm. Um, and you wanted to thank them for all of the support that they've given you during the year, mm. how would you do that? I think I'd write a beautiful label around – I mean, we didn't do this. Uh, no, customers. you're wrong. No, 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 I told you it's not – I would text me because you're an advertiser on Radio Brews Okay, News sorry. And say, don't run an ad for our product this, this, uh, this episode. We just want to thank all of the listeners to the podcast – thank all of the customers that we've got from the podcast and even the people that are not yet customers and wish them all a merry and a safe Christmas. And I thought that was a really... You know, that's, and that's so really, who were the people that did that? I was really glad I was packaging. Um, but it's not a so packaging Brad ad. from Rallings. Brad texted me to just to say, no ad this week. We don't want you to read the number um, one three hundred eight five two two three five. We don't want to, you know, it's a, it's a, Christmas is far too commercial already. So don't read out sales at rallyingsprint.com.au. Just thank everybody for their support of your show. Thank them for the support of our business and wish them a merry and safe Christmas. So to everybody, and if you wanted to reach out to your customers in the most effective way, I would advertise with Radio Brews News next week because I don't mind about being crassly commercial apparently um, and get your ads on. But in the meantime, Merry Christmas from the team at Rallings Label Stickers and Packaging. I really appreciate that Brad likes the quality of our ad reads. Otherwise, we would be... um, Everyone remembers them. I Remember do. that, listeners. Oh, that was um, amazing. Okay. Uh, in, in other news, um, Bucket Boys, um, Akasha. Akasha Brewing acquires the Edwards, which is a story that came out. Akasha Brewing, which did an equity crowdfunding. Again, equity crowdfunding, nothing inherently wrong with it. Um, and Akasha are people that seem to have done it very well. Has announced the acquisition of Newcastle venue, the Edwards, in the regional city's West End. The venue, now, some somebody who does music, we've got two musician uh it's on the venue is founded by former silver chair bassist Chris Janu. Janu. Also, it's bassist, not bassist. I was just <laughs> thinking. Oh, what did I say? Too. What did I say? Bassist. 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 
That sounds basis. like someone who's got something against fish. I'm yeah. just <laughs> somebody went fishing. Listeners, this is why we don't do live very often. Because you basis. get corrected on it. Well, no, no, I was only corrected because I was wrong. Yeah. See how easily that comes out? That's something that people may not know about me. I'm, I'm happy to admit when I'm wrong. Bassist. Right. But, I mean, that sounds like they're just too base. So just keep going with the story. <laughs> but how do you pronounce his surname? Okay, I've mispronounced I, Bassist. I, I, I don't know. I think that's right. But <laughs> okay, so sure. sorry, pick the low-hanging fruit. <laughs> this is why we don't get you on the podcast. Yes, yes. <laughs> no, not, not, not true. Um, according to the media release, and somebody, um, if you are listening, and I will switch back, um, phonetically spell what I should have said, um, not <laughs> Bassist, Bassist. Um, the Edwards, Akasha plans to build uh, a brewery facility on site uh, capable of producing 100,000 litres annually. Um, Akasha recently opened the Barrel Room in October 2022 in Sydney. Um, very, really interesting. Looking forward to that. Interesting. A lot of movement in Newcastle. Newcastle. Yeah. Newcastle. Anyone want to? <laughs> well, uh, having, having, <laughs> having been from that area, I always say Newcastle. But um, uh, local friends down there, um, and Mr. Sherlock will. Will correct me and say it's Newcastle, um, but we used to just dig each other um, about that. But yeah, a lot of happening down there. Um, a lot of happening down there. So we've we've had Foghorn there for quite a number of years. Well, just up the road in Port Stephens is Murray's, um, long established uh, Australian craft beer brand. Foghorn has been there for about seven years yeah. now. Um, Method Brewing opened up this year as well, uh, which is another guy called Sean, um, and. Um, Akasha in there too, Modus Operandi. Yeah. Uh, there's um, another little one on, um, I think it's on Kurigang Island. Um, there's one in Morpeth, which is right beside there too. And Newcastle is a real beer town. Like yeah. when when um, when Brewdog were deciding whether they'd go to Brisbane or Newcastle, I could, having been from that area and lived in that area, I could really see a great case for them to be in Newcastle because there is a really strong... Um, working class beer culture yeah. around there and that embraces craft beer too. So I remember when I was working for Murray's, um, the, uh, what was it called, the Stag and Hunter um, in Newcastle going in the, um, around this time of year when we were super busy and the poor delivery guy Dave was just struggling and I had a large van. I was like, right, load me up, I'll go and do some delivery runs and going in doing delivery runs and going in delivering beer to what was a real working class pub and going in and seeing Heaps of guys in high vis, they weren't drinking um, to his new. They were drinking Murray's Angry Man Pale Ale, or they were drinking Hunter Kelch. Cool. Uh, they were because to them, this was this is our beer. Newcastle, this is Newcastle yeah. beer. This is the closest mm. thing to Newcastle. So they were they were very um, uh, uh, patriotic and, and and loyal to the local brands. It's got a really strong, really good beer culture in there. And of course, Warners at the Bay uh, were a very strong, very large bottle shop that ran a really good beer festival for a lot of years. Bitter and Twisted Beer Festival at um, Maitland was a fantastic beer festival. It's a it's a bloody great beer town. Oh, I don't know the stats, but um, it's so easily accessible from Sydney as well that you would have to imagine as part of the great, you know, city exodus as part of COVID work anywhere, you know, people are moving, um, you know, that Newcastle just becomes sort of a skip away from Sydney as well, which is why sort of some of these um, – 
brands pushing from Sydney outward, um, you know, that makes a lot of sense as well because the clientele are moving as well. Pe- yeah. Professionals are moving out into, you know, further afield than they ever have before. It's, it's, a, it's a great town. It's got really pretty buildings. Some of them still many, many are damaged from the earthquake, which is, what, 33 years ago, mm. roughly around this time of year, I think. So some beautiful buildings there, beautiful foreshore, you know, Port Stephens just up the road, which is just so hideously beautiful it's 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 um it's a little bit rude um you've also for breweries too it's a great center to be because you've got a great um uh, logistics network i was just gonna say you've got from the there. Port, yeah. um you've got the the largest coal port in the world yeah. i i do believe that's that's there it's just a really cool place i can fully understand why um breweries are, are wanting to set up set up there um cool Absolutely. Now, another reason that we, uh, as I've just discovered, another reason we don't go live on this podcast is I was just texted by my daughter, Emmeline, who you will know from her byline, saying, look at the camera, not at your laptop. <laughs> Hi, Emmy. <laughs> Watching live. Thank you. So, see how it is? See, once again, wrong. Happy to, happy to admit it. Now, um, we will be doing some uh, live callers. And what we do, I think the best way to do it is if you want to text, if you are listening now um, live, text your number and name to 0401 211 862. I'll give that number again. And Vivian might put it in the comments because the only people who are going to be doing that are going to be uh, able to see it there. 0401 211 862. Text your name and number to that number and we'll call you um, and we can sort of have a uh, have, have, have you on the podcast. Um, you, did you get that number, Vivian? Yes, <laughs> I yes, I did. Check that. <laughs> um, so it's Akasha Brewing. Uh, that was uh, Rallings not doing an ad. Um, Brewcon 2023 exhibitor applications open. The IBA has opened exhibitor applications for Brewcon 2023, which will be held from 21 to 23 August at the Gold Coast Convention and Exhibition Centre. This will be the first Brewcon after a three-year hiatus. Sorry, something that, that number was put into the show notes. <laughs> I was going to, anyway. Um, that will be the first time after a three-year hiatus at Brucon. Very much looking forward to that. <laughs> Sorry. I don't know no, what I, just I, happened because in your I was brain just re- slash well, half no, out I was just, Okay. For, it, I was just reading and yeah. I'm just, because the script is there for me, yeah. that when I stay on message, I just read. But then Vivian had obviously pasted the number into it and so I was, just reading and it would have automatically just read the number which would have just been odd. It would have been like a Ron Burgundy thing. Anyway, Brucon, really excited. I feel like this back. is a Ron Burgundy yeah. thing sometimes. I'm going to get the camera, don't worry. Oh, I reckon it's great. Um, I was talking to um, a supplier, industry supplier the other day, I was talking about, you know, reconnecting um, with customers post-COVID and it just sort of certainly feels that there is this ongoing appetite by the industry as a whole to reconnect, um, which is great. Sorry, just a comment. Uh, James O'Mond, Matt doesn't sound that happy to admit that he's wrong. <laughs> but see how it quickly it came and how easy it went. Notice how Jay, um, thanks, Viv and I and Ian, we're all just sitting here and letting Matt just keep talking and it just sort of... <laughs> He'll he'll loop back around to this a couple of times, but we don't have to say anything. Internal monologue is doing a lot of work. Right, um, so the point of BrewCon, great. Everybody wants to reconnect. It's going to be a great opportunity for people next year, I think. 
Yeah, looking forward to it. And uh, I actually forgot that it was so close to us this year. Yeah. No, next year, sorry. Yeah. yeah, it's good. It's great, isn't it? It's great uh, for us anyway, sorry. After, right after missing out on the Sunshine Coast a couple of years ago. Yeah. Good to see it's back near nearby. Now, um, something else I'm excited to buy um, is a good quality hose because a good quality hose is an important part of the brewing process and aids in producing good quality beer. What's great with a company like Dixon Asia Pacific and Dixon Asia Pacific make good quality hose is that they stock a comprehensive range of FDA-approved non-tainting rubber and PVC hose for all brewing applications as well as couplings, clamps and ferrules. Is that how you pronounce it? Anyone want to? Yeah. Ferrels? Um, <laughs> ferrels for a full... Well, I, I actually ask myself that every time I have to pronounce it and no one's ever corrected me, so... I should have said no so I could try to see you come up with some... I know, I was just like, well, how could it be different to no, that? Anyway. This is what's going through my head because I worry about it every time. For a fully integrated... And this is the... <laughs> Matt was wrong uh, is the show title. Um, for a fully integrated and safe hose assembly... Sorry, Dixon Valve. Uh, visit dixonvalve.com.au to find out more. There is a link in the show notes to Dixon Asia Pacific, and we very much do thank Dixon Asia Pacific for all of your support uh, throughout this year. Um, a couple of stories before we get on to the brewery of the week, um, thanks to Bluestone Yeast. A couple of stories that I know, one particularly that I know that Ian... Um, will be uh, interested in uh, is the Brewers Association in the US uh, has a couple of major events a year. One is um, the Great American Beer Festival in Denver each year. They have uh, CBC, um, which is the Craft Brewers Conference, and then they also have Saver, which is a two-day beer and food tasting event. And I remember, uh, for those who don't know, Ian and I, started a beer tasting business 17 years or started doing beer tastings 17 years ago Um, and it was such an eye-opening to me when I met Ian and he sat down and did beer and food pairing and talked about glassware and all of the things none of which was pretentious and wanky it was just about elevating the experience at, at an appropriate occasion not always but at an appropriate occasion to show that beer could be better than just necking a few at the on the hill at the gabble with your mates. Um, and Saver was an event that really hooked into that and it really showed the Brewers Association was trying to celebrate what beer could be on the appropriate occasion. And the, the media release that came out this week that numbers were down, it was post-COVID, it's expensive to run, costs have gone up. And whilst that's the media release story to me you know costs go up all the time and people will if they value something pay more for that thing and clearly people aren't valuing it it's it's not getting the support and it's really quite heartbreaking for me that beer and food is losing you know a a signature event on a on an industry scale yeah it it is and look i think that probably there is a fair bit of truth to their um costs um thing in there but we have to look back to then why people aren't valuing it in there and it's because we as an industry have have ignored that and probably failed to act and move um further on that which um when we're looking at uh, business, we're talking about things like diversifying and making mm. sure we're covering all bases. We have failed to go down that route, and something Matt and I have talked about before. That if you go back, um, if you go back to when Matt and I first first met seventeen years ago, and you asked me to predict where beer would be in twenty twenty two, 
it's not where it is. Mm. Um, I would have thought that the driver would have been upon uh, a lot upon elevating beer, but you know, not in a pretentious way, but just elevating beer and getting people to accept it more into their lives uh, and to be more than just one. Uh, one narrow field. What I didn't predict back then, what we couldn't predict back then, is what's happened style-wise and so forth, which beer has got to the level probably where I hoped it to be or, or, or more, but it's come about by a different different route, which is fine. Mm. But I do think we can't lose that. Um, and there are many factors that we've done as an industry that's um, taken away from that and we've done ourselves a disservice in... In, in doing that, we've lost we've lost a string to our bow um, in doing that, and we've put a, a little bit of a glass ceiling upon ourselves and with beer, where where beer can be, and with where beer can grow to by by doing that. In terms of matching specifically in that food in, space, in food, food, food yeah. and beer, and um, good beer service. Yeah. Which um, shout out to me if I'm if I'm wrong on this, but I don't see many places that are doing beer service at the level that I want it to be. They're great venues and they have wonderful beer there and wonderful staff, but just that complete experience. Um, it's, it's not what – there's nothing there um, or very little there that I really, really look at and go, wow, you've set the bar really high in, in giving a, a great beer service experience. Not a customer service experience, many venues that do that, but – in, in a beer service experience. It's interesting. So uh, a few years ago, we were, again, using the New Zealand experience. But where I found there were a lot of programs, one was called Eat New Zealand and it was being championed by producers and then by chefs. But actually one of the biggest barriers that I found to getting beer elevated was that chefs uh, of restaurants who were designing menus actually didn't even have beer in their thought. They would be thinking about what wine are they going to pair with it because there was such an industry. And so we just didn't have that support actually of the food side of the industry. So you had – I remember trying to um, convince someone to do a long table and they were doing a wine pairing. And I said, well, why can't you have a beer offering? Just have a beer offering for every – meal that you're having a wine offering in the chef it, it, it just it was too far out for them that that could be a standard piece and now I know that there are a lot of restaurants that are doing that now but it was just an example I think sort of systemically of the point that you're making which is that I don't think that um you know wine has done a really good job of sort of linking in to the food side of hospitality and getting advocates coming the other way we just don't have a lot of that interestingly this year I looked back at all of the content that Bruce News had put out and one of them was a conversation with Paul West um, who had done uh, I think it was he host was the ABC host show. of the ABC Catalyst series um, sh- showcasing beer and beer production and also showcasing the raw ingredients but he was actually talking about the connection to the those ingredients um, and how making beer was much more like cooking um, in terms of multiple ingredients, varied outcomes. And th- I was thinking back on that around his comments around provenance and things, and it was that is a space where we just, you know, th- there is more opportunity to come for the beer industry that we haven't realised in terms of really getting um, that part of the food and hospitality actually championing beer as opposed to beer pushing in, getting them to ask for it, I guess. Yeah, you know, you're right. And it is us as an industry that's done that. Wine has done that so well. Yeah. Wine has tied themselves to um, 
foods of regions and tying it back across yep. there. Wine has, um, I'm trying to find the word that I'm looking for, wine, wine has wedged itself yep. gently and slowly and, and pushed that open there. And we just have not done that. It's yep. us as an industry that have not done that. And there is still the opportunity for doing that. We just need to do it and we need to maintain a diversity of flavor profiles Mm -hmm. in our beer in order to do that we need to show them that beer can be um as graceful as Mm. wine can be beer can be as robust as wine can be beer can be as subtle as Mm. wine can be and it's all those things and more at times too um just but uh, sorry and i don't mean to interrupt but just on that beer can be Subtle and beer can be those things, and but right at the very start of this uh, discussion, you talked about all of the unexpected style development, mm. and subtlety is the word that I would <laughs> yeah, throw yeah. in. Most most of them haven't gone in, in the subtle subtle direction, and that's fine. It can it can have a sledgehammer. Um, I think it's coming back though. Remember, so but so it, in the last the, yeah, sort of yep. twelve months. Um, we, we actually curated a panel um, at West Australian Brewers Conference called Is Everything All New Again? Because those more traditional styles, we're seeing a lot more in that uh, beer and wine blending, that sort of hybrid space. I, I think we're seeing some of that sort of subtlety come back into um, some of the really sort of standout wines that are co- beers that are coming out this year. Um, I, I think we're seeing some of that come back. The, it's the word Wines? that I'm hearing in from Beers. Thank you. in from trends that are happening in the US too yep. is is a movement into that, and I think that's the wedge that we can use yep. to get Agreed. to get across into the industry there, yep. and that will have payoffs then for not just those producing subtle, graceful, um, delicate beers, but can also be a wedge for people that are producing things that are a little bit more of a sledgehammer in, in flavour too, because it can show them that there are things that they can they can work in alongside too. Um, but I think that is the the wedge that we can use, and that's what I'd really love to see, because that's what I, you know, personally, that's what I. I, I know. Like well, I was, whole, I was smiling I as really you were talking, love. and you've got the saison shirt, and already, uh, I think it was Klimt right at the beginning was like, love the saison shirt, and I'm like, if you're wearing that and talking about, you know, subtlety and 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 that sort of side of it, it's fitting. You're wearing the shirt. Yeah, I, I try to um, um, rep. Uh, uh, Saison everywhere I can. If, if you're listening to this and you haven't done it in the last week, go and drink some Saison this weekend. And pair it with what? Uh, well, it depends on the Saison. Uh, no, I, 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 but let's not get too pointy-headed. You've got to have this particular... As a, as a general treat, like a, 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 an average... Um, you know, if there's a baseline Saison. Okay, right up. So... May I showcase yeah, the table Saison? Yeah, that's a great that's beer. Actually, that's actually a lovely I've, beer. I've, I've, I've a, got that my eye on that. That and the... Um, the voluntary well, collaboration. Leave it there. here, Ian's glasses. Um, I had had a glass of that voluntary collaboration last night too. Um, uh, okay, so if if we're wanting just a straight ahead, well, there's no such thing as a straight ahead saison. It, it's it's quite diverse. But let's say let's say that there was. Um, let's say saison de pont. The saison de pont. Or my fa- my absolute favourite is saison de pont um, biologique. Uh, there's a heap just landed in the country and it's hitting all your favourite bottle stores at the moment. Go out and buy some. Um, fantastic. Drink that alongside some uh, really ripe, and I say really ripe, um, white mulled cheeses, so like brie or camembert. Go to your supermarket or uh, and get the stuff that's on special because yeah. they're saying it's going Always. out of date. So they great. say it's going out of date. I say it's just coming right. In fact, um, uh, Peter Gross, my uh, cheese guy, um, they have to put the best before it goes a food product. Yeah. But in France, you would be paid, you would be charged a premium you buy it after that because they've done the aging yeah, for you. Yeah. Um, 
or, or some um, some really soft white uh, goat's cheese. Um, if you're looking for other main more dishes there, really good alongside things with really um, vibrant citrusy type flavours. So uh, alongside maybe some, some laxa or some Thai food. Um, uh, uh, I hate using generalisations, but there we go. Um, in on something like that, um, some nice delicate white-fleshed fish um, can also be good on there too. But really, I do love it with, um, as a generalisation, white mole cheeses. Uh, you've got a great recipe for uh, mussels with uh, well, actually, with no, Belgian white beer. That was I've actually made it with uh, saison. So, so, so there was your recipe, and I tweaked it with uh, saison, and it worked very nicely. I as think well. Matt's got it on the on the site, but basically, it's it's uh, black lip mussels steamed in um, uh, with uh, white beer, uh, lemon, uh, chili, and ginger. ginger. Yep. Yep. Uh, oh, a little, little bit of onion. Yep. Great. <laughs> Okay, uh, I'll just put that number out once, one more time, just in case anyone does want to text through and ask any questions. This is your chance to ask, you know, uh, tell me when I'm wrong, um, and I'll do it with good grace. James, I'm on. Um, 0401-211-862, uh, 0401-211-862. Just text your number. I'll call you back, and uh, you can be part of this uh, podcast. Um, let me see. Now we do, we do have the a little bit of an end of year stuff that we. So was there a story that you wanted to talk about, or? Oh, I had just flagged um early this morning um the article in can't remember about Kieran. I don't have it in front of me. So um, essentially, it was talking about Kieran uh, was looking to buy additional factory assets out of the US after their craft beer uh, was. Pr- proving strong and then uh, in particular as a result of what was going on in the local Japanese uh, market and then looking for other opportunities across the portfolio. But of course, Kieran was Lion and so it was talking about Lion's role uh, globally and so Mm. I just thought that was um, interesting because this year Lion had sold Magic Rock and Four Poor. They'd pulled out of Mian Four Pure. Four Pure. they had moved. Sorry, I'm just going to move on. a bit passive aggressive. Um, you know, th- there'd been some big moves out of Lion. They got a new CEO for the Lion Group this year, so it just sort of felt like that that was an interesting an announcement about where Lion Group, on behalf of Kieran, might be looking to play. And in light of some of the trends we're seeing in the US around. Uh, I think Kate Bernot wrote an article for us earlier this year around, you know, lots of people are for sale but who's buying. Um, Kieran were very specific in in this article that they were looking for factory assets and so you might start to see brands or businesses in the US uh, sell um, or, or shut down but the factory assets are being sold out. So I just thought that that was an interesting marker in what we might be seeing in the US market um, coming up. It, I mean, it's, it's, it's interesting because I spoke to on a podcast. I got up very early uh, one morning this week to speak on John Hall's Drink Beer, Think Beer podcast with um, Melissa Cole um, and uh, Chris Shepherd uh, and Carla Lauter, um, Lauter um, uh, about everything that's going on globally. Um, and I'll, I'll post a link to that because it was published today. But la- on the same podcast last year, they were talking about that, and uh, you know, Kieran, which doesn't have a big presence. In America, that it does here, um, but owns Lion, um, and Lion is their little actually it's Little World Beverages. Yeah, is their craft arm yep. globally, 
and they'd tried taking little creatures to Asia, to the UK and to San Francisco, which I could never quite work out the business strategy. It, it just seemed – but they were trying something. And again, you can never fault someone for trying something. Yeah. But clearly it didn't work. Then they bought New Belgium. And New Belgium has seen spectacular rise, particularly through Voodoo Ranger. Mm. So yeah. um, Kieran's obviously found something that they think will give them a, a, either a wedge into, into the States or they're just growing yeah. there with, with their craft uh, business. But it's one of the few craft businesses that's getting substantial growth mm. um, as well because yeah. they've got that impetus and – you know, I, I, again, I don't want to say steal your words, Ian. Post craft world, um, but uh, you've made that phrase your own. You've taken yeah, it I feel. I was well, going to say I've, I've heard it a million times. Well, I, I got it from Ian, but I've used it differently. Yep. So, because explain your use of post craft. Uh, I, d- I describe myself as being post craft. Um, so, <laughs> going back to uh, a music thing here, and and um, punk and and post punk, and if we're saying that. Um, Crafty uh, uh, was a little bit punk in a way, you know. You can you can talk about who was more who was a more influential band, the the Beatles or the Ramones, and arguably yes, well not arguably, the Beatles outsold the Ramones like a squillion to one. However, everyone that listened to the Beatles went, that, well, that's really cool. Everyone that listened to the Ramones went, I want to play in a band, and so they all went and started started bands and craft beer. You know, everyone had tried craft beer and go well. I'm going to go start a brewery. <laughs> so, but then the direction in which it started to take, uh, uh, I started to think, was becoming a caricature of itself. Yeah. So, well, in that post-punk thing, let's take some of that ethos behind it there, and let's take it in a more, more mature way. So, I went, I'm post post craft. <laughs> I'm I'm moving on, and uh, uh, realizing there was aspects to my youth that I was maybe a little bit immature in. Um, and going, well, I still want to take that same ethos and that same thing and drive good beer to the people, but in a slightly different different way about it. So I started yeah. using that post-craft. Matt and I caught up for a beer once and I told him that there and then Matt took it in his his, his own direction and, and made the yeah. turn in his own, well, own post-craft. Because I was coming at it that we've got craft beer. You know, craft beer, if you go back 15 years, it was – and talking about the, the, the rapid style development and, and, and the things that the, – the, um, craft beer went a certain way when we thought it was going to go one way and it was the early days of craft beer was getting away from what the big brewers were doing it wasn't using enzymes it wasn't using industrial it was um you know traditional small and independent but the the the, the traditional was malt water hops and yeast it was not using you know some of the modern um not scientific but modern you know food processing techniques that have been developed and going back to very hands-on but on one hand, brewers have found that there was a reason that big brewers, you know, used a lot of those techniques, um, you know, for shelf stability or visual appearance and things like that, and they've started embracing them. But then, you know, when was glitter in the Reinheitsgebot? <laughs> you know, when was <laughs> well the, the Reinheitsgebot doesn't have no no to be no all it is, uh, but that malt water hops and yeast was you know that 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 that's what craft beer is. It's traditional processes it's traditional ingredients and that was fetishized and then tossed out and a lot of the style development has come through the radical implementation of modern brewing techniques or modern 
Yeah, it, it has. So oh, there's a few few directions you could go on there. We could we could talk uh, probably as a panel at some stage about a whole thing in and around this um, and hybridisation of styles. Yeah. And taking something and growing with it is great. And if we stay still, that is totally wrong. You know, I don't want to just drink everyone uh, trying to make a bitter from, you know, 1936. Uh, that's as boring as hell if we're all just trying to keep beer static but it's about letting it grow and innovating based upon our traditions and not always just throwing the kitchen sink at everything sometimes that's fun to throw the kitchen sink and sometimes it's fun when you see people do that but when it's the only path that some people seem to want to go down there to me that becomes pretty 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 boring it's you know when 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 but it, but it's part of uh, <laughs> to go really nerdy here. I'm sorry. It's the Cambrian explosion of craft beer development. So if you look at evolution, if you believe in evolution, um, but we had single cell <laughs> organisms, um, and it, that for for a billion years you just had like a cell. But then eventually, you know, we, we got complex life forms, <laughs> and there was a period called the Cambrian period, and we've got these fossils that showed the world was just trying every manifestation of, you know, um, life development. But most of them died out. And then the things that were actually functional and worked and survived and met their, their, their needs have survived. And that's beer styles. Like people have just been going, hey, what happens if I do this? They put it out there, there's a bit of excitement, but then people go, actually, <laughs> brewed IPA, not much to it or, or whatever reason. We'll get back to Brewdog yeah. here some other time. No, no, <laughs> we, 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 we will. Um, now, just very quick, we, we've had a caller, so I'm going to see. Um, <laughs> I shouldn't sound so surprised. <laughs> Matt, I feel like this is major day. I don't know who you well, are, no. caller, but Matt really won. Um, he's happy now, oh, no, so well, we're I, happy. I didn't expect anyone to listen, to, to anyone watch live or anyone to, to listen, but it, it is actually quite nice that, People have done that. So, my mum. Uh, no, it's not nice. <laughs> it's Emmy. It's not your mum. And it's <laughs> not your still daughter. not looking at the camera. Um, hello, caller. Uh, thank you for joining us. You're on the air. Hi, this is uh, your mate McGarry here. <laughs> Sorry, I called the. I, I, I used the wrong phone. The phone that wasn't plugged in. How are you, oh, Christian? Sweet. Christian, I'm good. I'm good. Um, I haven't been able to. I'm coming in blind. I haven't heard anything that you guys have been talking about. Thank um, God today. <laughs> Um, because yeah, yeah, we are double booked the uh, production team's end of year Chrissy drinks. Um, in fairness, the, that with, feels pretty important. Well, with the live stream, and I tried to combine the two, but um, sorry, you guys just got drowned out. That, that's quite okay. I'm just glad that we're on a 10 second delay now. No, no. We, <laughs> we said only good things, Christian. Oh, I trust that. I trust that. Well, you, you said. Only honest things, anyway. <laughs> Thank you, mate. As as yeah, no, it's one of the nice emails that I get uh, when when you and I disagree and you know sort of say uh, honest. But how, how are things going, your mates? We, we've talked about the bolo. We've uh, celebrated uh, the, the, your mates' bowling, uh, you know, bowls club. Yeah, hell yeah! I'm um I'm I'm working on my game. That's the that's the main thing that's happening at your mates at the moment with with Matt and myself. Is uh we're just trying not to embarrass ourselves on the bowling green. <laughs> But the good thing about lawn bowls is you're never far from the bar, um, oh, whereas yeah. golf, like you've got to go out all the way out and all the way back, and a bad shot, you never have to walk as far as uh, golf. 
Yeah, well, even like, because we, we've been planning to do a golf charity day next year. And since the opportunity for the bowls clubs come up, we've changed that golf charity day to, to a bowl charity day, which is so much more interactive and social because when you do a golf day, you kind of hang out with the yeah. four people on your team the whole day. You don't actually get to see any other teams or maybe just in passing when you catch up to them or someone catches up to you. But a bold day, everyone's on the green. Um, yeah, we're, we're really excited about the knockout tournament and the costumes and the grand final just being um, full of atmosphere and um, just a really fun day. And it's really great. Um, you know, we talked earlier about bowls being a little more sort of uh, – um accessible for a lot of people as a sport so you know you don't have to be a great sports person to be able to do bowls but I remember when I was a professional before I joined beer and you know there were all the charity or work golf days and you had to go along and it was sort of there'd be the dudes who spend a lot of time perfecting you know the back nine um, and it would be quite intimidating to go to one of those um, when you're a casual golf player whereas bowls everybody the vast majority of people are probably going to be a pretty inexperienced so that'll make it a nice uh, a nice fun yeah, day yeah. for everyone right equal it's an e- equal playing field yeah not intimidating that's one of the words that we hate um at your mates is the word intimidating should be welcoming it should be for everyone it should be yeah easily accessible um and if you want to get into it you should be able to cool. mate off off bowls on to hottest 100 what's your tip for where uh, you, you're going to land this year um, <laughs> I'll be shocked if we uh, if we get anywhere near where we have before, Matt. Um, every year we kind of go in um, having a lot of fun with the video, and in particular, um, this year was probably the it. funnest the funnest one that I've had. Um, if anyone's seen it, I actually um, did all the music on the uh, backing track, as well as Matt and myself um, are singing on the track as well um, and just, yeah, we're, we're, we really feel so lucky to be able to um, do fun things like that and um, and call it work and, um, yeah, whatever whatever happens after that is uh, always just the icing on the cake. But, yeah, we, we have a good crack every year because we really think it's a, it's a valuable competition and um, it's helped us in the past and, um, yeah, we're going to keep on having a crack at it. Chris, one of the th- one of the things that we've talked about internally, um, because we're going to be hosting a, uh, a, a podcast again um, and looking at the things we talk about, and one of the things that we're really interested in is where beers finish in the hottest one hundred versus you know the businesses that have crowdfunded. Um, and I mean, you guys smashed your equity crowdfunding. You blew you know you, you, your target an hour and a half. Um, which shows, you know, and, and go to town on uh, my views on equity crowdfunding because I know that we disagree um, there. But you know, no, you, no. <laughs> but but you you blew away your target. But then, to me, there is a real alignment mit- between the results that you guys get on the comparatively small footprint that your beers get, um, you know, nationally but the level of engagement that you get in them to do so well in the Hottest 100 versus how well you did in your equity crowdfunding. Um, yeah, I mean, like, we, we yeah, like that, that word that you guys used a couple of episodes ago, engagement, I guess that's, that's what we try and do. We try and 
um, engage with our com- consumer. Um, they're our, at the end of the day, they're the people that are buying and, and consuming our, our product and we want to talk to them and we want to get them excited about your mates as much as um, us and the team here at HQ are excited about your mates. So I don't know if there's a real um, concerted strategy behind it, but um, yeah, we like with the Gavs, we like to try and entertain people and think that if we've gone to all the effort of, of entertaining them, then we think there's more of a chance that they'll um, take two minutes out of their day and, and jump on and, and throw us a vote. So, um, yeah, we're we're dedicated to our audience and um, that's, that's where we're kind of hoping that they'll um, they'll be dedicated back to us. Awesome. Cool. Well, McGarry, thank you very much for joining. I'm just glad this technology works. As uh, <laughs> as Clint uh, said in the uh, thing, uh, you know, staying in character. I'm amazed that the technology works. Um, it's not a character. <laughs> that's just me. But mate, all, all the very best, and hopefully we'll uh, get a chance to speak to you on uh, H100 Day. Yeah. Cheers, guys. Um, well done on the 400 episode. Um, yeah, I'm uh, I'm a huge fan of the show, and um, yeah, keep doing what you're doing. Awesome, mate. Thank you Merry so much. Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas guys. See you. There we go. That was nice. A caller. Now, <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I'm putting, I'm putting the phone away. Now we, we're done. We've, we've done it. We've <laughs> proved the technology. technology up. <laughs> well, now we can do it. We can do it again. Um, Sabrina, you were saying about the word. You've got a word of the year. So um, Matt prepped us all. The only thing that we were supposed to do for um, this year's wrap up. It wasn't stats. It wasn't stories it was what is your word of the year to describe uh 2022 for the brewing industry um and because of my nature i did a mind map of all of the words that i thought my and categories and topics and this is maybe, why she's the general manager folks maybe spend a bit of time <laughs> over analyzing it um and i really ran it I'm sorry, I don't have a single word because it doesn't make sense as a single word. It's a phrase. But I, um, my phrase for 2022 is inflection point. Um, and my summary of that is, um, is really, I think, you guys were sort of explaining your thoughts about craft and post-craft and where we're at as an industry. And, and I feel like there has been some massive achievements this year across the industry in a whole host of spaces, sustainability, a lot of s- stuff being done on the, on the people space. And I, and I really, you know, I look at the, the storyboard of what's occurred this year and I think everybody in the industry should be quite proud as a collective of what's been achieved this year in what has been in extraordinarily difficult circumstances. You know, we started this year and the focus was really on still on COVID. So our stories were on check-in apps by by governments and it was really still in that midst of COVID. And whilst there's COVID now in, in the... Um, uh, all around us, the stories have sort of moved on. You know, the focus was then on changing, pivoting and our businesses. We talked about flooding. We've had a war in Ukraine. But I think... Um, all of those things combined, along with sort of the increasing cost of goods, supply chain challenges, uh, retail changes in the duopoly of retail, their focus, we've discussed that earlier, major investments in the supply chain in raw ingredients, focus on sustainability and local. Um, I just think we're seeing a, the number of breweries, we've had 40 breweries added to the brewery database this year. I feel like we're at a bit of an inflection point as an industry in the sense that one of the things, uh, and this is just my sense of it, um, that really made craft quite different 
from other industries and other craft industries really was a strong feeling of collegiality and collaboration in amongst a competitive market. But it is getting to the point where it is so competitive now. There are so many breweries. Uh, supply chain is changing on the consumer end and the back end so rapidly. Um, and so we're seeing staff who, you know, we always relied on sort of that extra love of craft, the love of that collegiality to pay our staff maybe less, have less working conditions. That feels like it's coming home to roost a little bit now. We've got staff problems. All of those things mean that I really hope, I think that the craft beer industry, the beer industry as a whole is really changing from maybe what it has been from even the sort of five to six year period before COVID um, and what it changes into. So my, my sort of positive forward looking thing is really up to all of us as a collective. And I focused on that comment around reconnecting, but it is my sincere hope uh, that we continue to stand out from other industries in that collegiality um, and the way that we work and support one another um, as, a, as an industry in 2023, as it gets harder to do that because of all of these competitive pressures. So, um, you know, in, I think we're at an inflection point um, and I, you know, it could go in a bunch of different directions, but my sincere hope and challenge and I believe possibility is that it will focus on sort of collaboration and connection in 2023. Ian. If you were to work. No, 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 great, no, no, great, great. Okay, I'm I was just very mindful of the time. I a longer list about 27 <laughs> than actually from what you were saying coming in. I was waiting no, for yours, Matt. I was... Do you want me to go first? You've got a, you've got a word? you see. Okay, okay. <laughs> uh, so, well, Vivian, have you got a word? Or you, we, I we hadn't prepped you. So, what's your word? Uh, it, it definitely builds off what Sabrina just said, but... Uh, I, I thought of two words and I, ha I had a backup just in case someone else took my word. <laughs> but no, so I had um, adaptation was sort yeah. of my main one uh, because a lot of the stories I've done uh, this year and pretty much since I started at Brews News, um, uh, brewery openings, uh, lessons learned, um, brewery radar. So a lot of the breweries that I've been speaking to, that has been the main message sort of driving home from them. And, you know, even at the beginning of the year when I wrote, um, I wrote a story about the floods, particularly affecting the southeast Queensland breweries. And when I've done lessons learned, um, a lot of these breweries have always said, you know, advice for other ones is to adapt and learn to be resilient. And whether that's finding different um, points of differentiation or trying innovative new things um, that's sort of been the message driving home and yeah so like some interesting articles that um, I've written particularly have been like the g digital decals or mm. decals <laughs> however it's said um, that's just like one example um, but then again like in various lessons learned there's been other lessons as well so yeah I good great word, word. Yep. Um, well uh, if he wants to take the last one um Mine is baseline. Um, I, I think mm. a lot of the conversations I've had this year, and there have been some really interesting, hard conversations with businesses, and you know, a lot of them have attributed the lack of growth or the challenges that they face to COVID, and mm. COVID has undoubtedly been a, a challenge. 
but it's been a it, it, that's been something that has been consistent across the whole economy and across every industry. Some, you know, if you were building plexiglass screens over the last two years, your business has boomed. Other people, you know, if you've been in hospitality, it's been a very, very challenging time. But it's been a fairly constant thing for for breweries. I think if you're using that as an excuse for the challenges that the industry is having now, I actually think we're finding beer's baseline. Um, and, yeah. you know, what is small brewing's baseline? What is the baseline level of support for, for brewers? Do people value small brewing will you pay for more it's an inherently more expensive product prices are going up do people value it and that comes at a time when you know we've seen the big brewers have adapted you know after being very very slow out of the blocks they've bought well they've done some innovation and they're making beers that the vast majority of people want um i don't think small brewers have done a terribly good job of saying why as we've moved into a post-craft world and anyone can make craft beer and we've moved into a, a world where big brewers can be seen as local if they do it well small you know what is the baseline that our industry has um i've talked about the grass ceiling but yeah so we are really finding out what the baseline level yeah. of support in the uh, industry in the economy is for our industry and, and i think that's almost the sort of the, the, the same as what i was saying which is sort of i feel like we're at this inflection point which is sort of this is our new baseline this is we're at a different point now right and yep. that, that we're both saying the same thing from a different angle as we often do. <laughs> Ian. I, I really struggled with this, I, I admit, and, and I was looking for, you know, as in some previous but relatively recent years, something that was the, the really the buzz, whether it's just like hazy, you know, five yeah. years back or whatever, or cryo um, a, yeah. a couple of years back there. So I was going through it all and, and, and I asked my partner, Rocky, uh, her thoughts on it there. I asked my team on it there and, you know, we were going through a few things, you know, like well, maybe chlorophenolic, that was a little, like a little bit of an in-joke to ourselves there. Um, uh, better for you, uh, yeah. a term that's been sort of been bandied around a lot by many people this year, not just by better, better, um, better beer, rebranding uh, and breweries looking to rebrand. We've seen multiple rebrands this year, so that's another contender uh, in the, in there too. Um, diversifying in product streams and so forth there, but I think probably my end one is a little bit boring, and it's just equity as to what a, a, a brewery's. Equity is, as in yeah. their own equity in their brand, what the equity of their, their shareholders are, where they're going to look and, and, and grow for that and who else is becoming involved in with them. Mm. Great word. Great word. Um, just very, very quickly before we uh, head on out, um, Brewery of the Week. Look, I, I think given that we've been so nicely hosted, uh, our uh, Brewery of the Week Brought to you by Bluestone Yeast uh, is going to be Easy Times. I know that they're users of uh, our Bluestone Yeast, but uh, you know, thank you to Russell. And it was also one of the good news stories of the yeah. year. We don't often see businesses enter liquidation and come out of it. No, no, voluntary, voluntary administration. We, if they do, yeah, they go into liquidation as opposed to coming out. Um, so fingers crossed that's a pointer for 2023. But thank you. And thank you to Bluestone Yeast for bringing us uh, the um, Brewery of the Week. Uh, Bluestone Yeast can supply pitches of yeast from 1 litre to 100 litres at greater than 2 billion cells per milliliter. Whether you are after a one-off pitch or you're looking for weekly 
fortnightly or monthly deliveries of yeast, Bluestone Yeast has you covered. You can reach out to them at info at bluestoneyeast.com.au or call Derek on 0385183172 and talk all things yeast. And of course, you'll find links to Bluestone Yeast if you want to find out uh, in the show notes and also uh, in the Brews News business directory. And I'm sure that Derek would want us to wish you all a Merry, Merry Christmas. Um, Vivian, great to have you uh, join us. Hopefully, you'll be a, a more regular next year um, yes, on, on the panel. Sure. Yes, it was Good really job. fun doing... Oh, thank you. <laughs> no, it was really fun being um, on, the, on the live podcast this week. Sabrina, uh, again, publicly, thank you for all you've brought to <laughs> Bruce News um, in, in 2022. Um, and I'm really looking forward to working with you in 2023. And uh, thank you for beating me around the head uh, much more violently off mic than you do, <laughs> even on mic. Well, not, oh, sorry, not violently. Uh, for, uh, that's a really bad choice. Thank you for challenging me as you do. Oh, that's um, a nice summary. Yes, sorry. <laughs> um, but saying that, like I joined, uh, you know, my story everybody knows, I kind of landed back in New Zealand, in Australia from New Zealand and wasn't really sure what I wanted to do. Um, and then Matt and I spent many, many an hour discussing the state of the industry at length, um, often loudly. Um, and then Matt was like, I think you really need to come and, and work with me. So um, I've really loved it. I love... I think Brews News um, has a special role to play in the industry to help it um, and that's uh, unique to what you've been able to build up over 400 plus episodes. Plus, 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 plus. <laughs> Merry Christmas, everyone. And Ian, thank you. Uh, again, not just for being on there, but you know, you're a huge reason uh, that I'm involved in beer in the first place. Um, so uh, thank you for all of that. Um, Cheers, man. Thanks for having if me. If anyone gets angry at me, just blame him. <laughs> <laughs> it's all his fault. It, it, it's funny. I remember, you know, 16 or 15 or 16 years ago, um, you giving me um, CDRs of heaps of podcasts and saying, have you heard of podcasting? You should try this podcast. <laughs> well, we should do a podcast. You know, right. You've got a radio that. background. Well, you're into beer. Why don't we do a podcast? And here's four ep- 400 plus episodes later and I'm, I'm appearing on your podcast. <laughs> I liked it so much I bought the company. But uh, yes, no, it also, but you've been a huge inspiration to me um, and everything at Bruce News. In fact, Bruce News was conceived on your back deck as you cooked lamb and we had a bottle share going back 12 or 13 years. Oh, you, yeah, you? I remember that. That's that was Hey, I've got this idea. <laughs> I remember that. No, we had lamb that day. I remember Yeah, no, we had no no we had lamb. You you cooked the lamb and it's a Guys, recipe, so, not uh, sorry. The story. Yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, guys. Anyway, and thank you to everyone we'll carry this off Mike. Um, thank you to everyone who has contributed to Bruges. I'd like to thank uh, my daughter Emmy who I know was watching. She's probably uh, switched off by now, uh, but who was you know made a huge contribution to Bruce News during the year um, and also challenged me. Um, I, but I'd like to thank everyone that's listening now, everyone that's listening later. Uh, also, everyone. shout out to Sam as the only other staff member Sam, that we haven't yes. mentioned. <laughs> well, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't think, he, think he was watching. Um, <laughs> hey, Sam. Hey, Sam. But no, of course, um, thank you to Sam uh, for all that he does. But he he's as quiet in real life as he is in the background. So, uh, And he just gets on and gets things done. Um, but thank you to everyone and I won't even it's a little bit like a wedding speech or an Oscars speech thank you to all of our sponsors HPA Cryer Malt Bintani uh, Fermentus um, Rallings Label Stickers and Packaging Dixon Asia Pacific Bluestone Yeast um, there, there are just far too Spark, many people just, yeah. Spark talking about businesses and when we're talking about business we have so many supporters that it gives us 
the ability to hopefully not but sometimes do upset people with the things that we, we, we host and we're only able to do that because we don't have any one major client that uh, advertises with us and so thank you to everyone that makes our unique podcast and our unique website possible because uh, it, it's, it's very much down to you so um, thank you to our, our listeners um, we wish all of you, uh, however you celebrate this time of year, a wonderful, happy and safe uh, break. I hope you, hopefully you get a break. Hopefully you have a wonderful time. And we look forward to sharing uh, 2023 with you and seeing what challenges and joys and uh, you know positives uh, that that brings. Um, that wraps up another week of news, another year of news. Your hosts have been me, Matt Kirkegaard, Sabrina Kunz, Ian Watson and Vivian Topalovich. Um, the show is produced by Vivian Topalovich and edited by Joe Helder, who has been watching us. So she's got a relatively easy job because we're not going to make her do anything. Um, I actually forgot to press record on the uh, backup. So we know we, we, we've got it. It's, it's okay. <laughs> we, we we're broadcasting. So it's all good. We just don't have a backup. Um, we thank. Uh, the people that we thanked before and thank you all for listening um, please share your thoughts by emailing producer at bruisenews.com.au or if you're watching us live uh, you can watch this live uh, in the Radio Bruise News uh, Facebook group if you like what we do please share us on your favourite podcasting service or if you are a business or an individual you can find ways to support us with uh, you know a little bit of money because this technology you've bought um, so thank you and with that I think I think uh, we, we can retire the boom one last time. And, uh, and actually, shout out to Claire, yeah, who uh, could, couldn't be here today, who's not, uh, no, longer, sorry, no longer here, but I'm sure she's with us and made a huge contribution. And so, for the last time for 2022, we're out. Boom, 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 boom. No. No, okay. We're out. Thank you. Thank you all. Thank you.